0: The universe, all its doing, its only effort is is to get you back into your whole, worthy, authentic self. You have to be integrated to attract
1: integrated.
2: If you can't feel your wound or acknowledge your wound, how can you heal it? You
0: deserve to take care of yourself. From to be magnetic, this is the expanded podcast with your host Lacey Phillips. destination for neural manifestation we dispel the woo-woo in order to help you create real tangible results based on neuroplasticity psychology epigenetics and energetics our goal is to normalize the practice of manifestation and empower you to get into the driver's seat of your life in order to manifest the experiences relationships and things that most align with your authenticity Part of our manifestation process entails expanding past your limiting subconscious beliefs. Therefore, by tuning into this podcast with interviews from experts, thought leaders, spiritual teachers, scientists, and those with neural manifestation success stories, you're starting the process of expanding your subconscious in order to see to believe that anything you desire is possible. And by pressing play, the process begins. Welcome back, everyone,
2: to another episode of Expanded. Jessica here. I am so excited to announce that our holiday sale is now live. If you have been considering becoming a Pathway member and aren't a member on either platform yet, now is a great time to sign up because we have launched our discount spinner sale. You can spin the wheel on our site for a chance to lock in some of our lowest rates of the season. If you're already a Pathway member and your membership is up for renewal soon, aka you signed up around this time last year via our sale, keep an eye out for an email with some special offers for your renewal. Any members who are mid-term on their membership still on Teachable, you can continue to keep an eye out for emails with instructions on how to move over at your same rate to our new platform. And just a reminder to you guys, we have a brand new platform that has an app you can save all of your deep imaginings offline so if you go off the grid if you're traveling this holiday season you can listen to them anywhere on the go you can create a schedule you can add calendar reminders when you want to do certain workshops it keeps you super super accountable and our new community group is also found within the app so excited for you guys to check it out And a lot of you have been asking, but yes, we are doing a manifestation challenge again this year. The pre-week is kicking off the week of November 28th, where we're going to really kind of get clear, take inventory of the past year, and really make a commitment to ourselves of what we want to get out of the challenge. And then the challenge will officially kick off on December 5th. Guys, I am so excited about this one. We really went in and took all of the new teachings and all of the science that we've discovered when working with Dr. Tara and Janelle and from all the things we've learned over the years and really up leveled the How to Manifest workshop to the most effective workshop possible. So that will be launching and the challenge will be walking us through that. So you're going to get really clear on a specific manifestation you want to call in, and we will take you step by step for finding the expanders for it, really understanding your blocks related to that specific manifestation, taking that aligned action, following your pings. It's going to be incredible. It's going to lead us through December and into January, and we'll be holding your hand the entire time. We intentionally crafted it to be the most effective challenge yet, while also being mindful that everyone is probably needing a lot of rest and restorative nature during this time. So don't worry, you will have time for both. We're so excited to kick this off. So if you're not in the pathway yet, make sure to sign up before Monday, November 28th. And don't forget, we have our discount spinner sale available now, where you can sign up for our lowest rates of the season. On today's episode, we're diving into one of the things that I think a lot of people struggle with is figuring out the balance between how to put yourself first, knowing that your needs matter, how to take action from that place, or how to take rest from that place while also not being selfish and uncompassionate to other people and not caring for others. And I know as we start getting closer and closer to this holiday season, we're really kind of faced upon a lot of triggers and wounds with family dynamics or even just memories around the holidays. And it's a really good time to take inventory of where are you needing more support for yourself? How can you give that to yourself? If you're having trouble doing that, why? What are some of the roots? And we really dive into all of that in this episode. And in this episode with Lacey, Janelle and I, Lacey really emphasizes the importance of connecting with our authenticity. So much can be put on us from such a young age and it's really about peeling back those layers and really understanding what we actually authentically wanted. Side note, stay tuned for the challenge, which I mentioned earlier because there is going to be a brand new deep imagining all about really anchoring down and connecting with our authenticity and who our true authentic self really is. So if you're feeling confused or unclear or wanting to revamp your authentic code, stay tuned for the challenge because that will really anchor you down in your authenticity. And on to the episode. have an incredible roundtable today with Lacey and Janelle. Welcome. Hi. Hi.
0: So happy (laughs) to be back.
2: So this feels like such a perfect time to be diving into this topic. And it kind of started as you know, we wanted to create an episode for the person that has difficulty putting themselves first. And then as we were unpacking it, we kind of realized, wow, there's the difficulty to put yourself first, but then sometimes you overcorrect and then you create these rigid boundaries. And what we're really trying to do with putting yourself first, it's not about an egotisticalness. It's not about not having care for others. It's how do you get to your center? How do you meet your own needs so you can then help those around you? and how do we do it from a place that's not selfish? And how do we do it from a place where we're not self-abandoning? One of the main things you always think of when helping yourself first is like that oxygen mask example, putting your oxygen mask on so you can breathe, so you don't pass out when you're helping the other person breathe. Janelle, from a psychological perspective, we'll start there and kind of move into the manifestation piece. Why is it so important that people are balanced with being able to put themselves first, not playing the martyr role, not playing the fixer role, whether they're a parent, partner, co-worker. Do you see it being more effective in their relationships when they can be in balance with themselves and others? Yeah. So when
1: there is that total range of extreme codependent, no self to that other end of the spectrum of like if it was true true pathological narcissism or true deep, deep self-absorption to that middle space of healthy ego. Because if we don't have a baseline of a deep connected sense of self, all relationships, no matter what the form will break down, as well as your, your health and everything else. It is everything to have any sort of authenticity. There has to be a self first.
2: And Lacey, from a manifestation perspective, how do you see that impacting people's authenticity, how they're able to magnetize things to them when they have that centered authenticity and piece of self-worth?
0: Yeah, it's such a big conversation that I know you and I have been talking about with Grace and we had a conversation, you know, the three of us right now before this, but you know, the real piece here that I I see happen all the time within this work is the person comes into the work who really truly doesn't know how to have boundaries or say no or put themselves first or pass tests, put this work first. <laughs> like, it's so common. And then when they get deep into the work and they start to see it, it working for them and, you know, they're starting to build their trust muscle and, and have many manifestations and then major ones come through, I can see them, you know, as Janelle mentioned, and you mentioned that they really go on the other side of the spectrum where it's too rigid of boundaries. And they're like, F no, passing every test, and that's just like also operating from a wound. So, you know, I think the real piece that one really truly wants to arrive at is the integrated sense of self where they're able to navigate anything that's coming at them in their daily life, their daily circumstances, their work, et cetera, where they are able to fill themselves up even if it's through routine or it's just adequate enough to truly be in touch with their authenticity. I think we'll talk about this deeper. They really are filtering their life through their authentic code. You know, we have so many tools that really help somebody get to this place and that they are at the same time not just turning into this totally not completely integrated inner child running wild in a different way, throwing fits and having rigid boundaries and and being too self-absorbed, etc. So I think this is going to be a fascinating conversation of how we energetically arrive into that balanced middle place.
2: So I just wanted to give some bullet points so people can start kind of identifying where you may fall in this sort of spectrum. So if you're not putting yourself first, it could look like A lack of boundaries, a lack of knowing your limitations, a meshing with emotional needs of others, hypervigilance, people-pleasing, playing the role of the fixer, unable to say no, always going with the flow and never sharing your own preference, could be the workaholic. You could be ignoring feelings of resentment, rage. You could be self-silencing. It's really a detachment from your authentic self. It could also look like a can do positive only persona that ultimately is going to disconnect you from actually feeling your feelings. And then on the other end of the spectrum, when you've kind of overcorrected in this, like, let's say you didn't get your needs met. So you're kind of like, okay, now I'm going to put myself first. But if it looks like rigid boundaries, having walls up, not being flexible at all, really closing people out, not able to see a gray area, completely black and white thinking. That's when we can sort of see like, okay, we need to get everything back into balance. Is there anything else I miss there, Janelle, that you could think of? I would just say it would be just a lack of consideration
1: of the other person or empathy for the other person's side, even if you do need to stay true to your needs. So it's just a lack of consideration, I think, when it goes to that
2: opposite side. And one thing Dr. Gabor talks about a lot, and he really touches on this subject of how like, that inability to put our needs first and always being, what does he say, women are the shock absorbers of society? Yeah. That inability to do that causes so much chaos internally because we're not really giving ourselves space to feel our feelings, process our emotions, have boundaries, all of those things. It kind of wreaks havoc on everything where we think we're doing something really good by putting someone else first, but actually what we're doing is destroying ourselves from the inside out and then we're not able to give out to everyone else. And if you think of compassion, you can only have compassion for others if you first understand how to have compassion for yourself. Yeah. So what are some of these roots when we're really thinking about, okay, yes, I think I do this or I fall into this pattern of getting there. Why might someone ease into this? If they're like, oh, I don't want to do this or why am I like this? Where can they start to really understand their wiring and their blueprint of how they got here?
1: There's many layers to this, but I will share for me, this topic of self-abandonment has truly been like my biggest life block by far, hands down. And for me, my biggest root of it was growing up in a deep religious culture with, you know, a private religious school where it was deeply programmed into my brain that in order to have any worth or value. I had to be the most selfless person. And so that was very, very hardwired. And then also there was this undertone that women were, you know, to be a good woman, you had to be of complete devout service. Like you're always in service. So there's that layer of that. And I also think even from a non-religious perspective, just the society programming too, especially around motherhood, it's just so normalized to self-abandon, you know, for your children, because it's such a noble cause, but it's off balance. So like those were two, like on a broader sense of where society, you know, where might have that been picked up. And then there's also the family of origin, like the, the trauma roots for that too.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I guess we can do like an overview too. Like we can just kind of break down some of those trauma roots. One of them for sure would be the parentified child. And that's really, really where the parent has trouble emotionally or physically taking care of themselves and others in the household. And they place a responsibility on the child that can look like literally the child needing to take care of the home life, you know, make food for the family, et cetera. Or that could look like, the parent needs emotional support and regulation and the kid needs to become attuned to the parent in order to get the parent to feel emotionally stable so the home feels emotionally stable. Maybe talk a little bit about that, Janelle. What have you seen that look like and the impact of that?
1: Yeah, so this basically goes back to really the the abandonment wound. So a lot of people, when they think of, oh, I had two parents in the home, like I don't have an abandonment wound. But I would say the vast majority of people really do have an abandonment wound because it's not just, you know, like as you were saying, it, it can be where there was just an emotionally checked out parent, which then causes the child to become that parentified child of, I have to make sure my mom or dad is emotionally online so then I could get my needs met, which is the abandonment wound, which then causes that, that overcorrection. So it can be so many different ways that we're operating out of that. I feel like the the word narcissist is so overused, but I'm going to say like on the very large spectrum of it, a very long spectrum where there's maybe true pathological narcissism and then there's just just self-absorption, which is not narcissistic, but maybe a parent that is in their own wounding where they're just in that like a deeply self-absorbed place. And then what then happens to the child out of, out of that space. It can also be, uh, you know, obviously like any addiction or, you know, is, is a form of abandonment wound. Honestly, divorce, even when it's well-intentioned and conscious, there's an abandonment wound there. There can be so many different ways of wounding. And then that child is then recorrecting by then essentially people pleasing and learning how to self-abandon as a survival strategy so that they can get their needs met.
2: And one other note for parents out there who have kids, teens, adult kids who are like, oh my gosh, I totally did this. You are doing the best you can given what you know. And I love this quote, you don't know what you don't know. All you can do is give yourself compassion. You were doing the best you could at the time. And now going forward, you know a little bit more. You can take care of your needs before putting them onto your kids. And it's really, really important. This is not a blame game for any parents out there. This is all about self-compassion and self-healing, both the kids and the parents. Exactly. What's important to note here too, for the listener who's like, okay, maybe I come from being parentified or a parent who was an alcoholic or an addict or they didn't meet my emotional needs or abandonment, you know, all of these things maybe, or maybe there's someone else sitting there saying, I had a great upbringing. My parents were fantastic. They're really good, sweet people, but I still people please. And that's why I want to just mention, it's so important to get to what your authentic inner child witnessed around the dynamic because children are not able to understand nuance things are very black and white as they're navigating their surroundings and now as an adult you may say oh well i understand why that happened that had nothing to do with me personally that's not a wounding or that doesn't feel bad but did your inner child witness it as something that felt bad so for example Let's say your mom was in a bad mood that day. She had a bad day at work and she was kind of grumpy. And your inner child witness, mom can't play with me because she's in a bad mood. And so as a child, you perhaps try to make her laugh, make her excited, try to fix her problems and lighten her mood and get her excited so you can get her to play with you again. Now, the mom is just responding to the child in that scenario. They don't have any intention of dumping their emotions onto their child But what the child could potentially pick up is if I want my needs met, I need to take care of mom's emotions first. Or they could even take on mom's needs matter before mine or X, Y, Z, so-and-so's needs matter before mine. So you really have to do some digging in your subconscious. And that's why I highly recommend doing the DIs with this stuff because you can really start to peel back. Yes, as an adult, I don't feel like I care took, that doesn't make sense to me. But when you really look through the lens of your inner child, what did they witness in relation to caretaking? And what sort of role dynamic did you play? Because if you're people pleasing and putting others first, something subconsciously is projecting out that it's not safe to put yourself first.
0: Yeah, I think something that comes to mind too, for me, it becomes a little bit more advanced in this work, but What motivates and has motivated me to continue my healing process, obviously I'm hyper-motivated by manifesting because really this brand at the end of the day is healing people, you know, but I think it's one that motivates people because along the journey, they learn how to heal and then get what they want. Now, when I look and take accountability for my own personal healing journey, and certainly when I would work with clients is... The notion that you are taking responsibility of breaking your cycles. And that's really hard based on where we fall in, in whatever spectrum we're in on our trauma healing process. But I think if you can start to look at things from that perspective, you really become empowered. You truly do. And Based on so many things that I could sit and philosophize about with people, where the roots of all of these, everything that we're talking about come from, at the end of the day, the beautiful thing is, is we each have this choice in this moment. We're all in very different spectrums of quote unquote choice. But if you're here and you're listening, there's a door that's ajar at least that you do want to break the cycle and not just for future generations, but for society, also for your own personal happiness. And that's what we're truly getting into today, finding your true authenticity and sense of self. So it's just something I think about because we talk about, you know, a lot of the things that we sort of have covered already in this often, maybe what I'm saying goes without note, but it's also very empowering.
2: Absolutely. You need sort of that hope and that motivation to move through it because I think it does feel challenging. Like it's one thing to know, I move into this role where I self abandon because I had to do that as a kid to feel safe in my household. I understand why I do it now, but to actually make that shift to show up differently. There's also a nervous system aspect too. Your body is going to feel like, whoa, This is not the norm. We're not safe doing this. I mean, if you think about programming, if you subconsciously felt like you needed to caretake the home in any way, shape, or form as a kid, you learned it's not safe until I do that. So then you go out into the real world with that same – feeling of like, okay, it's not safe until I take care of everything. So of course, you're not going to put yourself first because it's not safe until you do that. So it's really working on how can I see this as an opening in the door to say, actually, it is safe if I take care of myself and put my needs on the table first. And what does that look like? And how can I start to feel safe doing that?
1: Yeah, I think there's, you know, if somebody is like, let's say they're over-functioning in a friendship and they're that person's emotional support to an extreme in an unhealthy way. It's like, well, if I stop showing up for this friend, then I'm not going to have any friends. I'm All my friends are going to fall off and then I'm going to be abandoned. And so I have to over-function and I have to over give if I want to feel connected to people. And so there's a little bit of like, okay, well, you have to like, soothe your own abandonment wound and, and self-regulate and go, okay, if these relationships shift and fall off, if I start becoming a healthy person, then oof, it's so painful, but I'm going to let them go. And then that's trusting that reciprocal relationships can come and take its place where that friend doesn't want you to self-abandon and that, that feels weird to them. So yeah, I think there's a little stepping through fear, you know, when you do really kind of energetically shift Your relationship dynamics in those ways.
2: Is there an aspect of, because I can also see if kids play this role, they're getting validation that, wow, thanks so much for helping or, oh, you're so good at this, whatever. Could there be an element in this journey of reprogramming this wound of part of me doesn't want to do this anymore and self-abandon, but part of me does want it. How can they kind of contextualize that piece?
1: Yeah, where they're getting their worth out of self-abandonment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And that and that for me was deeply reinforced in religious culture. And that's totally, it was a piece of like identity and worth and value, which is such a weird little identity crisis when you when you really break through that, you know, but I think you do have to recognize like, whoa, I'm getting my worth through this really unhealthy way. And I think you have to call it out in order then to take the actual steps to like actually shift it and then test the relationships around you and get your worth by just being you. That's really more that inner child work to get to that point where you can let those roles go or the ways that you show up go that aren't healthy.
2: Lacey, how have you sort of navigated through any of these dynamics or have seen other people that you've worked with navigate through these dynamics?
0: It honestly doesn't happen until you change the subconscious. I think that's how we we often come to the people who become rigid boundary setters and walls and, you know, that other side of the spectrum we were talking about. But to actually really get to a place where you are putting yourself first without overcompensation or doing a crazy ego dance in your head or a crazy codependent, which I really identify with, dance it just really, really, really comes down to creating the neural pathway changes within your brain and then reinforcing them with action over and over and over again. And I think the expansion piece, sure, it's meeting other people who have been able to do it, of course, but the real expansion piece is seeing that you're safe each time that you do it. And what I'm really talking about at the end of the day is kind of setting boundaries for that person. And it's not the crazy boundaries of like, I'm going to pass this test and F this person because that's the overcompensation. It's the piece of like, oh man, I'm really sorry. I can't do that. Or, you know, like I have things I struggle with even today because I have support and I have Teddy and coming from the side of the spectrum of somebody who was parentified very young, who did have an alcoholic parent, et cetera, I really struggle with am I really showing up enough for Teddy? Am I conscious enough? You know, am I present enough? But being somebody who has struggled with health issues and needs a lot of downtime and a lot of self-care to just to stay well, it's really, really something I've had to watch and, and really what that has come down to. It's like recently we just put into play, I'm like, because I'm home all day. I walk through the kitchen or I do this when I'm working and it's like Teddy wants to nurse and she wants to hang out and, and all of that. So We just put into play where it's like, okay, from the hours of two, because you only naps once a day now, from two to five every day, you guys are going to go on an outing. And that's going to be my time to do those things that I need to do for myself. Even establishing that or having the idea of that was so far-fetched to me that that's possible. So it's gentle. I think this process, it's not gentle through all of the emotions and the feelings and all of that, but it's, it's not that overcompensation rigidity. It's gentle. It is a very gentle step-by-step. And I think it really comes down to unblocking and then putting aligned action into place. What's the the boundary here that I said, or what's the routine that I need to put in place or, or the thing I need to say no to. And then deal with all the emotions that come up around that or with somebody else's shadow or the worry that people are going to hate me, et cetera. And then after that going, oh, I'm still safe. And in fact, I'm I'm doing better. It's so gentle. It's also funny
2: that we're having this combo like at this point in time too, because one pattern I actually kind of figured out last night was uh, having a harder time setting boundaries and like understanding what I need and that sort of thing. And I'm like, how did I get back here. Like I'm still keeping the self-care stuff, but now I'm like, wait, I already worked through this level. Like, Why am I back here? And what I found is there was a big family issue that came up for me recently. And navigating that dynamic required me to come from the balanced place of, okay, I can really easy go into fixer mode, but I don't want to abandon myself. And how can I show up here? And I think that sparked... All of that up again. And now I'm kind of coming out from the other side of like, that's why I went back into it. It didn't feel safe when we were dealing with this, this issue that was coming up. I reverted back to that. That's okay. It doesn't mean I lost all the progress I had before. And how can I start to put my boundaries first and feel safe again as well?
1: There's a therapy saying in stress, we regress. That's my, my bag too. When I, if, if I'm really hit hard, whatever the case may be, it's like, yeah, that's my Achilles heel too, to go back to that codependent space. And it doesn't mean you've done undo all the work. It's just like, okay, there it is. It's just a little bit more healing and awareness to step out of it. But yeah, that's so common.
2: So once someone's having awareness of this, they're understanding maybe some of the roots, some of the abandonment or the printification, They're like, okay, how can I'm showing up safe? I'm working on these neural pathways. I'm reinforcing it with aligned action. I'm stepping through fear to set these boundaries and create space, even in small ways, for myself. When they overcorrect, what does that look like when they become so inflexible, so rigid, there's no gray area? How can those people recognize that they're also in a place of still feeling unsafe and they need to kind of come back to balance?
1: You know what I've seen? People with really deep self-abandonment, really deep codependency, at first, when they start healing, they need to be more healthy, selfish, and that concept of putting themselves first and being healthy selfish is so painful. you know usually the people that are in that codependent space have been wounded by somebody that was not considerate of them. And so they feel like they're becoming <laughs> their perpetrator or abuser, you know, so to speak. And so it is, so jarring. And so with my most codependent clients and they're like, I'm being so selfish. And I'm like, I'm so glad that you're so triggered by you being selfish right now. It means you're healing and you're doing the work. (laughs) So it's like a good, you know, for that person that's like, oh my God, am I becoming a narcissist? No, you're not. That's a whole different thing. But it's like, they're, they're absolutely going to be triggered that they are they are so selfish and so absorbed and, and it's going to be, a, it might be confusing. Now, when it goes to where they might've kind of overcorrected, usually when I've seen that, it's been when that codependent person has been wounded so bad or their health is just completely where they're kind of they've gotten touch with their fire and their anger and they've kind of now they've overcorrected and they're not a narcissist it's not this pathological thing but out of this like righteous indignation wound they kind of take up all the air in the room And so it's like, okay, that doesn't feel good either. And that's hurtful to relationships too. And so I don't know if there's any way to avoid that process. It's maybe more just being mindful of, oh, that can happen a little bit where it's like, okay, how do I get back where I'm not going to ever go back to that self-abandonment, but I'm also considerate on how I communicate my needs and, and and mindful of the people around me and their needs as well. And so then that's that true, beautiful, like healthy ego spirit where I matter, you matter. We're playing a game of catch and I throw the ball to you, you throw it to me. And there's just like this beautiful exchange in that space.
2: I love that visual too, of like that communal sort of exchange between two people of like, okay, in order for you to matter, I don't need to self-abandon and for order for me to matter. I don't need to have you self-abandoned for me. You know, it's like that full total balance. And I think too, it's the awareness on both ends. Like, okay, got it. I understand when I'm putting up these walls, I'm shutting people out. I have no flexibility. That's also me feeling unsafe. That's also me trying to protect myself. And how can we go back and figure out what needs and boundaries do I really need that connection? right? It's like,
0: no one's ever going to take advantage of me again. (laughs) It's all just a wound. It's still just a wound. I like to look at it like energetically. It's part of the process. You know, it's like anything. It's like a a wave. It comes, it builds, it crashes, and then it recedes. So it's like somebody's in that process. And until they're really just the middle of the ocean, they're just going to be in that for a little bit and to forgive yourself when you you move into the overcompensation space but if anything in this podcast should bring awareness to is that isn't the arrival that's a false sense of power totally
1: yes it's interesting i i'll share this in my marriage i was the giver right and i overgave for for 13 years and there was just nothing right and then my relationship, my first relationship after that honestly i I was the taker he was the giver, and I had nothing to and I was honest about it i'm like i I got nothing in me I'm so burnt out from giving, and I was so wounded, I was not destructive or not mindful of his needs, but i I wasn't an in integration. I wasn't in an integrated space and it was somebody that kind of was my old me that didn't have a sense of self. A lot of people out of abusive relationships will go from this like avoiding guy to the nice guy and, and neither work. There has to be some fire in that person and a sense of self and boundaries and, and you have to be integrated to attract integrated. And then out of that true authenticity, both people have an established sense of self. That's where the really beautiful exchange and dance of relationship can
0: occur. I agree. Otherwise, you don't have any polarity either. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I'm quickly interrupting this episode to invite you if you're ready to start your manifestation journey, or if anything you've heard in our manifestation episodes has piqued your interest to begin, we have a la carte workshops in everything from the basics bundle, which is what we recommend to everyone who starts. It's the formula that actually teaches you how to manifest unblocked inner child and unblocked shadow. We also have a la carte workshops on love and money. But the real gem is the Pathway membership because it encompasses every single workshop we have. It's a year-long membership with full access to the few a la carte offerings we have and exclusive workshops not available anywhere else such as the daily practice, which is what everybody in the pathway uses, hopefully at least three times a week to daily in order to truly create the new neural pathways that one needs in order to manifest and houses the library of our deep imaginings, which is our unique hypnosis process that allows you to get into your subconscious and overwrite those old neural pathways, creating the new ones. And as you guys know, we have upgraded to a
2: brand new platform with an incredible mobile app. Be sure to sign up for the new platform in the link in our show notes, and then you can use that login to access the new app. And if you're not in the pathway yet, make sure to sign up. We have our discount spinner sale for the lowest rates of the season.
0: Okay, now back to the episode.
2: you know, thinking of people going into the DIs and to their inner child, whether it's some block DI or some new ones we might be coming out yes. with <laughs> soon, or even just, you know, speaking your needs DI, like any of those, what are things that a kid who came from this dynamic, who felt that their needs didn't matter, that they had to take care of other people, that they had to play this role of sort of martyr, what are some of the emotional waves. I'm sure there's grief involved. I'm sure there's anger involved. There's sadness. They're wanting to carve out space for their own. Like what are some ways that people when they're going into those DIs can start to like sit with and know, okay, these are some of the emotions that might be coming up there and how they can kind of reparent themselves. You know, when I've seen
1: someone really in their deep codependency, there's usually a lot of resistance to the anger piece. They've been protecting their parent for so long. There's almost like a defensiveness. Oh, well, they were this and they were this. And they're really not in touch with the anger, the fire. And in order to heal codependency, That anger piece is so, when they get to that point where they're secure enough with themselves where they can go, that was really effed up and like really be in their anger. That to me is when I see the healing gate breakthrough. But a lot of times when there's a resistance to the anger, it's almost just like it's minimized and they're like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not this full integration. You know, if you can't feel your wound or acknowledge your wound, how can you heal it? And that anger is also symbolic of like, hey, you stepped on my toes. That hurt. <laughs> like my toes matter. You know, that anger is saying like, I matter. That's the piece in like a true deep codependent. Their biggest breakthrough emotion is to get in touch with that anger. And of course, underlying that is the grief.
2: How can someone start to like process Anger too, because I think also anger for a lot of people feels very scary. They're like, oh God, I'll be out of control. Mm. All the sort of spiritual bypass things we learn like angry doesn't equal someone who's in their power necessarily, but it is a healthy expression. Like what does a healthy expression of that look like?
1: First of all, it doesn't mean going to your parent and like chewing them out or whoever, you know? <laughs> like sometimes it can mean healthy confrontation, maybe after that anger is digested, if that's your your call to do that. But it doesn't mean that you go there. Sometimes I feel like with clients it's like a confessional and they're like, make sure my phone's off. So my mom or dad can't hear me, like actually admit that I'm angry. You know, this is in your own heart. This is in your own soul. No one ever has to hear. This is, this is just you acknowledging to self. Yes, self, someone stepped on your toes and your toes matter and your toes are black and blue. And you're just acknowledging that within your own heart and, and really being with the sensation of We've been talking you know, about this a lot, but being the, with the sensation of anger within your body and learning how to feel safe with your anger in your own body. And it can bring up trauma if you were abused or if you saw somebody use anger inappropriately and all those things. And I would say work with somebody if that's your case to work through those triggers. But when you can actually like sit with your fire, you actually feel very in control. That's the irony is like someone that's out of touch with their anger can actually be Very out of control. But when you've kind of learned how to go, wow, I can be with the anger and the fire, and this actually is kind of almost like a healing sensation, it can actually feel really empowering, very empowering, actually.
2: I think too, it's worth noting sort of the societal reinforcement of some of the tropes and behaviors. And we touched on it a little bit in the beginning, but I just want to acknowledge that we're going on this journey internally and, and navigating through this and, and healing those safe spaces. But also it's reinforced that it's good if we put others need before us. It's it's reinforced if we don't have boundaries and aren't difficult, don't show anger, especially in, in different cultures and backgrounds. And I think also noting like going out in the real world and testing that new neural pathway of like, okay, I'm allowed to mm-hmm. to be my own independent self. And like, this is what it feels like. You're going to get mirrored back and pressed against all of these other societal elements as well when you're trying to heal it. Lazy, do you see that as a difficulty in relation to you know, if someone's getting mirrored back from society, like, no, 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 please keep, you know, abandon self-abandoning, do you see that as like a massive just like another layer that they have to
0: go through when they're having it reinforced at the same time? I think for one to even start to question that, like they have to get in touch with who they are authentically, their authentic selves and really understand their essence, going through the authentic code and actually going, oh, wait a second, let me question everything society has told me that I should want, need, do, or have in order to be happy and fulfilled. Because it's interesting that many people, I don't even think they question that. I mean, these things stem from so many different places, but especially like as a woman, that to be attractive and quiet and kind and all the things like you were saying, a martyr, etc, that's been the programming for so long. I don't think tons of people are breaking down these layers unless they get in touch with who they authentically are. Like, I think that has to be a starting point. Otherwise, until you start to make a crack in the egg, you don't start to see that there's a problem. And that's in my opinion. So once you do start that exploration process and you do start to go, oh, wait a second, that doesn't resonate with me anymore. That doesn't resonate with me anymore. The breakdown process, that's how when you are tested with that mirror, you know, it's testing you again. It it just becomes a little bit easier to navigate and dance with the energetic answer I can just give to that is you have to start exploring who you are authentically before you even notice the mirror.
2: So then even thinking, you know, remedy for someone out there who's unsure, it maybe even unsure of like what their dynamic, what their role is, or maybe they don't really even know if they resonate with anything from childhood. It's like, okay, step one, figure out who you are authentically, who is your soul like our authentic code exercise, which will be beefing up in the coming months, but really understanding like who you are at your root. What brings you joy? What needs do you need met? What does that neural pathway of you look like? And then you can start to say, okay, that's not an alignment. That's not an alignment. Oh my gosh, I've been trying to get my needs met here, but that's
0: off. And they can start kind of doing the math backwards that way. Yeah, certainly so, because I think most people are seeking validation out of a lot of the wrong places. So when we talk back to a lot of those roots you were naming off, Janelle, of of where this stems from, that people become people pleasers and overcompensators, et cetera, I'll give myself for example. I really genuinely thought I wanted to be a famous actress and a very rich one. And when I look back at that, becoming an actress was my mom's dream for herself when I was younger. And that was always programming around me, like you have to be rich to be loved. And, and so even though my authentic self actually enjoys, like when I look back at, at who I was and we'll be including this in our new Beef Up of the Authentic Exercises, but I really look back at the the things that I completely daydreamed about when I was little or where my imagination was always running wild or i remember being 13 and loving photography and being like why can these my instant camera photos, why don't they look like these magazine photos? Like I remember that stuff. (laughs) I think we all have versions of those things we engaged with that have nothing to do with what the programming was, whether from family, society, media, peers, et cetera, when we were little, that if you do this, you'll be loved. I think we all have little versions of those things inside of us that we have to discover and relearn and understand because I link this together that when I actually did pivot into starting to learn who I was and what my gifts are and how to put them into the world, I still loved taking my own photography from my own blog. And I loved, you know, doing all the video stuff and having video things done and being in videos. I love those aspects. And I love finance. It's always been an interesting thing. So even though there was a lot of programming about what I needed to be to be validated that I was unconscious about, weirdly enough, I was able to still manifest all of those things from a different avenue. In order to have a starting place with any of this, you have to, as I imagine you felt, Janelle, like mm-hmm. you come from a very extreme story of who am I? Like, oh, <laughs> period. Yeah. who am I? Totally. And until you could really, really understand that. So even though you had programming growing up that you needed to serve, to be loved oddly enough you do like serving and helping people i really do <laughs> but in a very different way than how you're programmed right oh, so it's yeah. like you have to really get in touch with who you are authentically and understand that your code your essence your soul and from that place you start to go okay oh, wow, I am needing to heal some stuff and I need to start setting some boundaries. I need to start carving out some routines. But like you were touching on Janelle, the the person who had abandoned themselves so much, they may overcompensate. And that's just kind of part of the healing process. It's totally okay. And it will correct itself at some point when I believe when those needs start to be met naturally it starts to come into the middle so i believe like the starting point of this all in order to even have these questions or understand what a mirror is or any of that you have to get in touch with who you are authentically and that's really like it comes back to everything in manifestation the universe all it's doing why it's creating mirrors why it's dancing with you its only effort is is to get you back into your whole worthy authentic self you kind of have to tap into even understanding who that Essences to begin this process and questioning it. Yeah, so well said.
1: One thing actually that I felt like I had shadow around for a while, especially as a new mom, I was like, okay, I need an extraordinary amount of alone time to not be a total disaster. I need so much alone time. It felt like more than the average mom or even more than I felt like the average therapist. And I had a lot of shame around that. And that's something now where I'm like, it, it's just is what it is. And so literally, and this was a while ago now, I was like, no one wants to see a burned out therapist. I want to do this my whole life. I love it. And so if I'm going to have anything sustainable, if I want to be a therapist till I'm whatever, so 70, I have to have these long stretches of designated time where I literally, I have nothing. I can just be in my own body and my own soul and, and, and literally use that to kind of flesh out other people's energy or whatever it is. And that is now just like a non-negotiable in my schedule where I, I literally have big chunks of time that I've blocked out where it's just what I have to have in order to just to be a decent human being. Like I have to have that.
2: If you are in any sort of role, whether that's being a parent or a therapist or someone in in like a self-help field or any of that stuff, when you're taking on other people's emotions on a regular basis like that, you do need to create extra space for yourself in some way, shape or form because that energy does transfer. Like I even remember an unbalanced version of me when I first kind of joined TBM and people were DMing me with tons of questions, like they would write paragraphs and paragraphs. And I was like, Oh, they're looking for me to help them. Like I must answer every single message and help them through. And I felt this, almost like that low self-worth piece of like, I am recreating my childhood role again. And then I was like, wait a second, I'm so burnt out. What am I doing this for? This isn't gonna help them if I'm coming from this space and I need to take care of me so I can show up in all the ways that I'm, I'm really lit up about showing up, like on the podcast, you know? So I had to set boundaries and be like, okay, I cannot answer paragraph long personal questions here, even though I so, so value you coming to me for that. And that was scary to do. I can't turn them away. What are they? What are they gonna go to? Who are they gonna lean on? And it's like, okay, it has to be the balance. I'm not any good to anyone if I'm just giving from an empty cup. Exactly. hundred percent. Lacey, you were such a great expander with that. You were like, why do you answer all of these people? There's (laughs) places to put them, send them here, send them here, you know, whatever. You're going to be doing this all day long. And I was like, oh, there are resources. Like, why am I doing this? Like you were such a good expander in that, and knowing that it was coming from a loving place. It wasn't anything negative. Cause I think, especially if you come from that fixer role, there's that like oh, it's mean. It's mean if I don't do this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's
0: not. It's so not. There was one point in, because I booked out for so long in advance, so, so early on, that my early team had to cancel a year and a half of appointments and people were so upset and nothing had felt better in my life because I was so sick at that time. And that was a really good example of when you just push, push, push and burn out and get sick. And it was like, oh, if I'm going to even do this in any sustainable way and continue this message, I, I just can't, I can't work with people one-on-one anymore. I absolutely do not have it in me.
2: It's so interesting because it really is leaning to that both and, okay, I do want to help all these people, but what is the way that I can do it from a boundaries place? I mean, I put a couple of notes together on like what it does look like to put yourself first in a balanced way. And it's being able to show up with boundaries and not ignoring your needs, creating space to attune to your own emotional needs and your own emotional state. So not filling yourself with busy, you know, work, work, work. So you can't, or even like helping, helping, helping. So you can't even process your anger, your grief, your sadness, et cetera. You're able to identify the needs of your current self, but also the needs of your inner child. And then you're able to communicate them without blaming, shaming, manipulating, or avoidance of others. And then I think it's that that compassion sort of exercise you were saying, Janelle. It's understanding, okay, I don't have to abandon me. I can meet my needs. They matter. I can pass the ball to you, help you out. And then you can do the same back and your needs matter as well.
1: That is, yeah, such a balance. Totally. I remember when I was first learning my own boundaries and I would almost be like defensive in the way that I would communicate. Well, I have to do this and I have to do it because I would, you know, and I'd be so, it was just like this anxious defensive energy because I felt so guilty for it. And I think, you know, now when it's like so deeply self-validated, now it's like a when I'm going to set a boundary and I feel really true in it, there's no defensiveness and I'm able, if somebody else's stuff or their disappointment or whatever comes up, I'm not defensive and I can kindly hold space for them too. And usually when they see, oh, she does care about my needs and she's not, you know, then it's like, it just diffuses it. It's not this big fight or tension or big, some big rupture. There's just such a ease in it.
2: When someone is trying to find that expansion of like, like you were saying, Lacey, the best expansion in this is taking that action and then feeling safe in it and keep re-expanding yourself. Are there any tips or insights for people of knowing what's a safe space to explore that in? Because I think sometimes people might be around family etc who when they do set healthy boundaries they're met with such resistance such shadow etc so how do they know you know that's not going to be reinforcing them into safety so how can they cultivate or even have sort of a an image in their head of like okay how do I create these spaces in which people are going to honor my growth in this
1: this is a good topic going into holidays. I'm like, I should say a caveat to my last comment. I'm like, there's sometimes times when you are as gracious and in your worth and you're not defensive at communicating your boundaries and the other person just has such terrible boundaries and they do have a big reaction. So I want to make a caveat to what I said before. The person that doesn't respond to your boundaries well, I mean, that is just such a huge red flag that they they just don't have boundaries for themselves or other people and all of that. But it's, to me, Lacey, this is the, the rock bottom portion of like how to how to be in your grace and also say true to yourself in it, you know? So again, it's like, there's not this like defensive energy. They're, they're so self-validated. They've worked through all the blocks of guilt and shame and whatever's there for them as they come into their worth and are unapologetic about what their boundaries are and about standing up for their needs. And I think that you can do that when you're mindful, where you're like, I'm considered other people. This isn't about me being some selfish person. Like this is true authenticity. When you're in that energy, you're free to like fully then step into your worth, you know, because it's coming from such a deep self-validated place.
2: And this is probably a pretty unanswerable question, but like, where are those spaces in which people can go to find, like, I'm thinking for the person who's like, okay, I don't have a safe space with my family or with that person. Like, where do they go? And I guess it's kind of leaning on, you know, a friend, you know, you have a safe space or is it, do you have a mentor or even our community group? Honestly, I feel like is a safe space for people to go and say, I set this boundary and everyone will be like, yay. (laughs) Yeah.
1: You know, sometimes when there's Let's say if you grew up in the family, there was just so much control or so much chaos, and you're not used to like setting a boundary and having it be received well, where that person's like, okay, great. That's no problem. They're like mouth drops. Like they're like in shock. Like, wait, what? I just did this, set this boundary. And like, you're totally okay with it because that's not ever been their experience. So sometimes it's a therapeutic relationship or a friendship or one person where you're like, oh my gosh, I set boundaries with this person and this person doesn't hate me, doesn't shame me, doesn't abandon me. This is incredible. This, this can exist in the world. And that's so heartbreaking, but it's like, yes, yeah, And that's maybe their one piece. Actually, there's a book called Safe People that's really, really old that had some good principles of this for that person that's not used to any safe relationships where there's no boundaries around them. That is their own expander of like, yes, all your relationships can feel like that. It's not met with so much pain or aggression around every corner.
2: And Lacey, what about you from from the energetics perspective of this dynamic?
0: I just think like a really big button that we have to leave on this, which is in the Boundary Workshop is when somebody, even maybe in this episode, they're like, whoa, this is me. I have to do this. Wow, I'm not doing this at all, like putting myself first and and I need to heal this and start. I just really, really have to reiterate, if you're not healing those wounds on a subconscious level and you start going into the world trying to set boundaries, it's never going to be safe. And you're going to keep attracting the same stuff over and over again. And we talk about this so much in the Boundary Workshop. You have to figure out the root of this boundary you need to set where it came from and do the work on that. You have to do the unblocking on that So that when you're coming, your energetic projection, it's just different than it's been in the past. It's from a healed, not a healed, but a more integrated place. Otherwise, you're just going to keep attracting the same experience. And over and over again, Uh, you'll have a really big reaction potentially from this boundary that you're trying to set. And if you're coming from a more integrated place after you've done the work, you are able to absorb it a little bit better, a little bit more manageable when you set that boundary. Like for me, my bounce back is so quick. If I get a reaction from someone, I'm like, oh, that's not personal that's absolutely not personal. That's their thing. But if I didn't do any healing around that subconsciously, I would be like dying inside. So it's so important. If you're identifying with this, I think your two biggest takeaways from the pathway standpoint is you need to get in touch with your authentic self. And then if you really do feel that you need to start this cycle breaking and this journey of healing, you have to do the subconscious work first. A great workshop to turn to for that is The boundary. Workshop about everything we're talking about here. An inner child, too,
2: man, because it's so if that root is like reprogramming all these elements from childhood, they're going to want to go through and really give themselves a whole new way of relating to it. Yeah. Last question. This might be a bit of a tangent, but I'm thinking to if someone's like, okay, great, this dynamic played out in childhood. I'm reprogramming it. But a lot of times people are bringing up specific memories. But when you think about abandonment wounds or attachment traumas, there are many, many instances of that happening. And it may not be one memory. You know, it's like a whole essence of that chapter. Any tips on that in the reprogramming aspect? I could share kind of what I do, but I'm just curious what you think too. Yeah.
1: I mean, when someone's actually, we just did this, uh, an intensive this week where there was, you know, a wound around emotional neglect. And so there's thousands of instances of, of emotional neglect. And so the question, at least for EMDR, but someone can take this and take it into a DI is what image represents that wound? And so it might be a picture of your parent. Their head in the newspaper, or <laughs> you know, it could be your parent with their back towards you. But whatever for you really is activating, where you're mm-hmm. like, oh, ouch. Yeah, I feel something when I think of, you know, that's a symbolic image to the emotional neglect I went through. That's what I would then take through a DI, because it's it just kind of wraps them all up in one. And you can still process the sensations that your body feels when you think of that activating image, and you can move through all of the grief and the anger and all the different layers. And so I would start with that. And then there might be little nuanced memories that that pop up after that, but you can kind of lump them together.
2: Love that. I think that's so smart. And then, yeah, Lacey, any other thoughts on, on that? Is there anything that you found to be effective with that?
0: Well, it's weird because my process now is I think it's just elevated so much, you know, and we've talked about it in prior episodes, but even when I'm doing the unblocking on those things now, it's oddly because I've done so much work around my parents, etc. It's really like what's been so helpful is working with that safe person. It's just really taken things to a whole different level of neuroplasticity that like I'm always chill, I'm always good, I'm always gonna be okay, no matter what, who, and, you know, like I've expressed before the SAFE person is the universe for me, God. So it's just, it's just very elevated. But I think, you know, just beginning the process uh, or to like a very, very triggering one, I would certainly revert to everything to saying <laughs> For
2: sure. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much. I think this is a lot for everyone to listen to take in, but I really, you know, kind of want to hammer home what you were saying, Lacey, is this, this hope and this idea that like you are breaking the pattern Within your family dynamics, you are creating so much magnetism for yourself by healing this. You are going to embody the life that you really brings you your true authentic joy and love. And then that can spread out to everyone that you're in contact with, future generations, et cetera, et cetera. It's such a ripple effect. And it's so important. You deserve to take care of yourself. Amen. All right, thank you guys, and we will see you next time.
0: Bye. Take care. Bye.
2: I hope you guys enjoyed that episode as much as I did and we did. And I really wanted to do one of my little summaries to recap everything that we covered in here, just so you guys can understand how to start peeling back some of these layers. So first off, how to spot if you're not putting yourself first. Do you have a lack of boundaries? Are you unsure of your limitations? Are you meshing with the emotional needs of others? Are you feeling hypervigilant or sensitive to the emotional energy of others? For example, if someone around you is in a bad mood, does that put you in a bad mood as well? Are you people-pleasing, putting other people's needs before your own, playing the role of the fixer, the emotional caretaker? Are you unable to say no when you really want to? Are you the type of person that is always going with the flow and never really sharing or standing in your preferences? Do you identify as a workaholic, someone that's feeling burnt out? Do you have feelings of resentment? A lot of times when resentment pops up, it can root down to where we are giving away our power and our needs for someone else's. Are you self-silencing? Are you repressing rage or feeling rage start to bubble up? Also, do you have a can-do, positive-only response to things, which is actually a mask for not feeling your real feelings. So when we're doing this, it's detaching us from our authentic self, our higher self, and detaching us from our intuition. That's what leads to the burnout is this detachment because we're bypassing our needs for so long in that process. So if you identify with any of these things, take a pause, take a breather, and realize there's likely some kind of route that taught you that operating in this way is how you need to show up in the world. And likely there's a block in your subconscious saying, it's not safe for me to put myself first. So the first step in kind of getting clear and moving through these feelings, it's not a charge forward. Let's look at what your inner child witnessed around this dynamic and not being able to put your needs first and needing to emotionally caretake others. Through the lens of your inner child, what did they witness around that and start to unblock and heal that with a DI, like the unblock DI, and really give space for your inner child to feel all their feelings there. From that place, then you can start to put them some boundaries, understand why this is coming up, and figure out what your authentic needs actually are. We have our challenge kicking off in December and week one is all about grounding into our authenticity. So if that feels like it's far away from you right now, tune into this challenge. You are going to have such a deep soul connection to your authentic self after that week. I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend and we will see you next time.